This episode is brought to you by Carvana. They'll drive you happy. Carvana has purchased over a million cars from happy customers by giving them an offer within minutes. And they can do the same for you. Carvana will give you a real offer for your car within minutes. Then they'll come to pick up your car and pay you on the spot. So to get a real offer on your vehicle in minutes, download the app or visit Carvana.com. Tamika. Hey. Hey. Sorry about that. Anchor has actually been kind of glitchy lately as far as things go. So I apologize for it actually disconnecting. Oh, that's fine. All right. So let's go on ahead and start from the top. Yes. Okay. So I've been watching Downton Abbey. Oh, sorry. Not that beginning. Sorry. No, not that beginning. Sorry. But. This movie came out in 2012. I actually didn't get to see this movie in theaters or anything like that because of the fact I think there were some other movies that actually was being played at the time that actually caught my eye. This one didn't particularly catch my eye like I thought it would because I love horror movies. I love the thrill of a horror film. And this one just didn't grab my attention. I think because we actually had a lot of supernatural stuff that actually was coming out during that time. Because I, wasn't this also during the time of the last exorcism and all that other stuff that we actually got during I'm that not time? Sure, but it probably got lost in the shuffle. Right. So for me, I'm like, okay, I've seen movies like this before. I don't really care about seeing Sinister or anything like that. I'll catch it whenever I catch it, either on Blu-ray or DVD or on DirecTV. But now it's been X amount of time since. You know, this movie was released in theaters. So, you know, I figured this is actually a good time as ever to actually do a review on Sinister, especially with Halloween coming up. And for my first experience actually watching this film, I really enjoyed it. I loved seeing uh, seeing Ethan Hawke play this guy who's actually down on his luck and everything, especially whenever he's just a washed up uh, author. And, you know, he's just one of those guys that is trying to actually get himself back back up again, actually from, like I said, from where he uh, once was. Because don't forget, we actually see him struggle with that. And there's that tension there with his family and things like that. Yeah, and I, um, I told you before uh, with the movie, like, you know, when I was watching the movie, <laughs> it had these Stephen King elements to it. Right. Like the shining, um and even I imagine Stephen King himself is in a dark room uh typing up his thoughts. Um, I can definitely see that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. You know? And you know, like I said before though, too, uh was this and I even said this to you before, where he actually separates separates himself from his family, which is actually unusual. We normally see that like later on in the film, but you actually see this process of how he actually handles his the cases that he is actually trying to solve with these paranormal events and stuff. And the kids are not allowed to go into his room; he's, they're not allowed to even look at the uh, Super Eight film that he's actually doing. He's not allowed; they're not even allowed to even do anything because his wife doesn't even want their kids to experience what he's experienced and everything. And 
you know, I really like that aspect where you actually have a mother that cares enough to actually protect her kids while her, while the father's just staying at home doing his writing and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and I and there was a scene we talked about where he was looking at old tapes of himself starting out as an author. Um and you can see the the optimism and purity in his work. You know, he was like, I'm writing these stories because he's a, would he be like a crime, like a thriller author? True crime author. True crime author. Okay. So he was saying, I'm writing these um, books, you know, to solve cases and I want to find out more. And no, I don't do this for the fortune and fame. I actually care about the stories. And it now that I'm thinking about it, it kind of reminds me of, um, was it John Patterson? I think so. I think, I think... John Patterson has, because um, he writes true crime, I think he has a show on Netflix where he actually was investigating a, a murder for a book. But I forgot the name of the show, but I think there is a show like that on Netflix. But anyway, okay. um, you could kind of see the, the purity of it. And it's, it's interesting. He's looking back at his past self to where he is now. And you can see him go into madness and descent. Just like obsessed with this particular crime of this family and writing about it. Again, fame and fortune to solve the case that's been... I don't how long how many years has it been since the case been unsolved? Well, it dates back yeah, really? all the way to the nineteen sixties. Yeah, and he wants to be the first to solve it, write it in his book, go on press tours, you know, and uh, meanwhile the kids if this is the same house the murder happened in. Right. Uh, meanwhile the kids are having nightmares and the wife is concerned and she's like, We need to move and he's like, No, I gotta finish this story. You know, and then we'll be set for life and I'm getting a lot of money. Um, I don't want to be a professor because that's all I got. You know, I'm just a writer. Right. No. So you can see the change in him from a lot of authors. I feel some authors start out that way where they, they write a good story and they're like, maybe this won't go anywhere. And then it takes off and then they start to change. Like they get caught up in Oh, my book is a movie, or my book is an HBO series now. Right, exactly. The humbleness is actually gone, and yeah. now it's all about fame and fortune. And I, I like that whole entire self-reflection, because you can actually see the guilt in his eyes. I don't know if you could tell it or not, but you can actually tell there's some guilt there. There's some pain there, where he's like, I was once this humble guy, and then my fame is the one thing that's actually brought me down to this level to where I'm actually a wash-up true crime person, a uh, true crime novelist who's trying to come back up from where he uh, where he is now. Mm-hmm. And I, my other part that I liked was his wife saying, please tell me that you didn't buy a house next door to the murder. And she goes, you know what? Don't even tell me. But he, tell, and he winds up telling her, no, I didn't, which is kind of true. But also fabricated on a on a lie, though, too, because they moved into a house that the murder actually took place rather than next door. Yeah, yeah. So, Did we talk about the plot of the movie? 
Do we go basically into the, the plot? Yeah, I'll go into the plot and everything too. So the plot is just about this guy who's a washed up true crime writer, and his name is Ellison Oswald, who finds a box of Super 8 home movies in his new home that suggests that the murder that he is currently researching is the work of a serial killer whose work dates back all the way to the 1960s. Mm. And that's what Tamika was actually talking about. This actually dates back all the way to the 1960s. And he just happens to find a Super 8 film of these murders being taken place and he starts writing his book. But there's also another thing, though, too, that I really liked about this. Remember the scene with the cop? The, the beginning scene? Yeah, the very beginning okay, scene. yeah. With the cop. You're thinking that he's actually going to be a fan of his who's wanting an autographed copy of the book. The cop goes, no, I'm not here for, for an autograph. I'm just here to tell you that you're stepping on my turf. I don't like what you're doing. You're selling, you're selling other people's stories for your benefit as a writer. Mm-hmm. and you're doing our job for us. And I really like that because it even goes back to that scene that you were telling telling us about where he's actually doing some self-reflecting in his own film. Uh, not in his own film, but his own interview. Yeah. Where the guy's like, well, are, you, are the cops mad at you because of the fact that you're stepping on their turf? He said, no, I don't feel like I'm stepping on their turf or anything like that. I'm letting them do their own investigation. I'm doing my own investigation. I'm not telling them what they're doing wrong or anything like that. Then it just turns into exactly that in, in the future, where he's actually stepping on their turf. He's telling them what they're doing wrong, and he's completely gone at that point. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was I I found something. Maybe it will answer the question to why you didn't really see Sinister too much cuz I okay. found like a list of supernatural horror movies in 2012. Okay. And I know that The Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe came out that year. Yep. I and saw that one. Silent Hill Revelation came out that year. I didn't see that one on at the movie theaters. I actually saw that on DVD. Uh, Paranormal Activity 4. Yeah, I didn't see that one. The, but I, I remember there was a load. Yeah, The Possession, uh, uh, The Lords of Salem, Underworld, Awakening, you know, etc. Yeah, it was a lot. A lot of supernatural horrors that came out. So it just kind of got lost in the shuffle, really. Right, the boyfriend I had at the time, he he spotted it out and heard about it, and like I said, I hate supernatural horror. I like the gore horror, um, like Halloween, those type of movies. Right. Um, but he spotted this movie out, um, and yeah, drug me to it to see it. <laughs> but um, I. Yeah, it's, it's one of the few supernatural horror films I can tolerate because um, I have a wild imagination, so that's why I don't watch supernatural <laughs> horror movies. But the thriller aspect of it, like the thriller crime aspect, is what's really good about the movie as well. That's what draws me into I would watch more supernatural horror, horror movies because the the plot is really good. It's always a murder mystery, and I like murder mystery films. 
So it's that supernatural element <laughs> that like, I can't do. I can understand, though. I mean, I can understand that the supernatural element could actually give you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, like, um, like have too. you seen the movie Mama? To be honest with you, no. Yeah. I that, didn't get around to seeing that one either. The The plot to that is really good. I think it is about uh, or, or like the ring, you know, like a ghost that had like a horrific, a, a woman from the past had a horrific um, incident happen to her. Um, I'm a bit murky on the plot, but I think she lost her child. She was that sounds about right. To, yeah, lose her child. Um, I can try to look up the plot where you can keep talking about Sinister. Okay. Do that. But as the plot unfolds and everything, with after he gets, whenever the cop winds up talking to him, he goes back inside the house, and the wife kind of jokes with him. Another good, uh, another big fan he goes, "No, not exactly. This person doesn't like me either." And it goes to show that people in that in certain towns or certain cities that he goes and visits, they're not going to be one of those praise fans where it's like, oh, my God, you're here. Can I have your autograph? It's more like you're stepping into our environment mm-hmm. and everything. And you do not even belong here because you're not part of the community and, or anything like that. You're actually people that are just trying to get famous off of somebody else's murders. I also thought the creepy part was, uh, with the Super 8 film was the part where the people hung themselves on that oak tree. Oh, yeah. And Exactly. Especially the, the, the film reel. Film, just having a film reel mixed with supernatural horror is just creepy. Because <laughs> the, the, it definitely the is. sound of it and then the way that it's projected and you don't know if it's backwards or forwards or uh yeah the vintage feel of it makes it really creepy it really does it makes it feel like it's actually taking place right in front of you that you're actually witnessing these murders taking place right in front of you just like Ethan Hawke's character is is going through with this thing and you know I really love that aspect. It has a kind of like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1970s kind of feel to it, where it actually feels like it's actually mm-hmm. real. And also, too, I loved how Ethan Hawke's character, which is actually Elson Oswald, and I like what he was able to do with the Super 8 film, where he actually was able to print out uh, frame by frame of the pictures of the different scenes that he saw in that those films and put it onto the wall and he digitalized it. I like that aspect. I really thought that was a good way to incorporate not just uh, the Super 8, which is a real old-fashioned way of actually filming something and everything and then converting it into a more modern-day technology. So I actually like that aspect. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's creepy as hell. <laughs> it really is. My, my, now, my all-time favorite part that actually gave me goosebumps is when he's looking away from the computer <gasps> and that demon moves and looks at yeah, him. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. And he's like looking like, is this? Who is this? 
you know, maybe he's a fan. He's like, is that is that Oswell? Oh no, I like his book. Oh, no. You know, he could be a fan, John. We don't know. <laughs> he was looking like very right. closely. But then he looked right back again when Oswald went on ahead and looked at him. He just stood still. But another thing that I liked was you actually do have a cop that actually is a fan, which is the deputy who's actually played by the same guy from Stephen King's It Chapter 2 who happened to play um, who happened to play oh, Eddie. Oh, was that him? Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I knew, like, whenever I saw him, I'm like, I know him from somewhere. So I went on ahead and went on to IMDb and I found him. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that makes sense now that I know who it is. Because he had that baby face mm-hmm. that he had from It Chapter 2. And I have to say, I loved him and Ethan Hawke's character, how they were able to actually connect and have that chemistry and bond there. It's like, okay, you're going to be called Deputy So-and-So. Yeah. You're not going And you're going to be one of those guys that just helps me and you can, I can just change your name in the book if I have to for helping me. Yeah, because he actually wanted to be mentioned. Because he was like, you know how you mention right. other people that helped you in the book. He's like, that's what I want. <laughs> right. And he goes, I can be that so-and-so. Next thing you know, he became deputy so-and-so. Yeah. yeah. But the creepiest thing for me was when Ethan Hawke is in there. When Oswald is in his house. And he hears something. And he has the baseball bat in his hand. Mm. And in slow-mo, you see all the kids that die. I know. That was so creepy. And they're running. And like, like, right before he turns, they're, yeah, they're running from room to room. Right? And I thought that was so creepy. And gave me goosebumps from watching that scene. Oh, talk about the part where he was calling, the deputy was calling him, and then your girlfriend was calling you? I'm going to get that towards the the end. Because that's more of the climatic part. And by the way, guys, this is actually going to be a spoiler spoiler review because of the fact that... Oh, uh, before we continue, can I just talk a little bit about that plot to Mama? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm reading it. But it says, on the day that their parents die, sisters Lily and Victoria vanish in the woods, uh, prompting a frantic search by their uncle Lucas and his girlfriend, Annabelle. Five years later, miraculously, the girls are found alive in a decaying cabin, and Lucas and Annabelle welcome them into their home. But as Annabelle tries to reintroduce the children to a normal life, she finds that someone or something still wants to tuck them in at night. Which basically the ghost or the the supernatural spirit was raising the kids while they were in the cabin alone. Because I think their parents died in a car accident or something like that. And they ran into this cabin and the supernatural spirit that lived there was raising the kids. So she took them on as her surrogate children, and she felt threatened. 
Um, and I think she's a spirit from the past. Maybe she's, I think she probably was accused of witchcraft. It was kind of like one of those stories. Oh, okay. And she had to like sacrifice her baby and it was, it was grief and regret and she killed herself. Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, she, yeah, this is like um, some weird child custody story with supernatural elements. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, you're okay. trying to take my kids away from me? <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, show you. I'm gonna show you. So she haunts the the um uncle, their uncle and the girlfriend, because she wants the kids for herself. Like, um... <laughs> and it's creepy. It's more creepy you know, than this. I'm gonna have to check that one out. And the same director who directed it directed that movie. Andre Muschietti is actually the one who directed yeah, that one. And um, what's his name? Del Toro. Uh, yeah, Del Toro. I think it's like a, a from a Spanish legend or something. And anything that's like a foreign mm. horror film scares me even more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that one yeah, out for I will sure. Not be I remember when we got one. That's the other one the boyfriend drove me to. <laughs> so I would not be revisiting. <laughs> see, I didn't even see that no, one. I would not. I won't do that. You have to review that on your own. Okay, I'll review that I one. Did not, I did I lost sleep for like three, four days. And I had to make sure my closet oh, wow. door yeah. was closed. That's all I say. <laughs> okay, I'm not putting you through that Thank suffering you. again. You already Thank went you. through it once. Thank You're very welcome. I'll Thank take the bullet you. for okay, that one. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Now back from our commercial Yay. break about Mama. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to talk about Sinister again. So anyways... I really thought that the uh, creep, other creepy thing is, okay, we were talking about the baseball bat scene with the kids going, um, as Ethan Hawke is walking in in the hallway, the kids are actually falling behind him. As he's look, looking behind him, the kids are go, uh, diving into the other rooms and stuff like that, that that's in the house. And then he goes downstairs and cr- goes to sleep on the couch. It's actually the next morning. But let me tell you this. Whenever I first saw him sit down, I was expecting one of those cheap mm-hmm. jump scares that I, that I was expecting yeah. in every horror movie. And I'm so glad that they didn't do that. I'm so glad they didn't do that that at all. Yeah, yeah, they because we've seen that know, all they, let it, they let it breathe, so you can kind of relax, but still kind of be on the edge of your seat. And then they kind of, it's like, oh, it's the next morning, and it's okay. And you're like, oh, nothing happened. And all of a sudden, you caught off guard, you know, because you got relaxed. <laughs> right, exactly. And then also, too, I also want to talk about this, though, too, that creeped the hell out of me the very first night that they were there. Remember when he hears a rustling up the stairs, and he goes up the, up the stairs and everything in the attic, and then all of a sudden his son just pops just up out of the box like a cartoon. <laughs> that, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm sorry. We got to get the hell out of here. I'm sorry. I was yeah, like, I'm out. Yeah, and apparently the son has these nightmares. Right. Uh, what's the, oh, what's the actual walking. word that he was, was actually using? 
it was something along with sleepwalking, but it's also sleep mirrors yeah. or something like that. Something, something like that, that he actually used. Yeah. It wasn't everything yeah. Like yeah. Apparently he had them a long time ago, but then it got worse in the house. Right. And then and the girl draws on the wall. Th- at that point. Oh, right. We're going to get to that in a minute because that actually happens like more towards the end of the film. Yeah. Well, too. in the beginning, she drew on the because wall we to get- too, just because she was artistic. Right. Because they did give her permission to draw on the walls yeah. and stuff like that in the house. Right? I wish I could have permission to draw on the walls. Unless when I was little and everything, yeah. I got spanked. But that's yeah. another story. I don't want to talk about my experience. <laughs> right? Me either. <laughs> well, I just did, but you know. <laughs> Anyways. Um, then another thing that I want to mention, though, is Officer So-and-So is like, look, I know, I'm not saying that you have a drinking problem, but he's actually mm-hmm. saying that he has a drinking problem. But he goes, but I noticed a whiskey, um, I noticed that you actually had a whiskey bottle sitting next to you, and that could actually have some effect on you. He goes, look, I know what I saw. He goes, I know I saw something sinister. I know that I saw something that wasn't right. The other creepy image that I want to talk about, though, too, was the part where he's actually watching the film. And you see the people of the house being tied up and being thrown into the uh, swimming pool on their uh, sunbed Mm -hmm. that they have outside. And then you see the image of the sinister, of the monster that's actually in the film. And he, ha- he just stops the film for a minute. And I'm not sure if the sinister monster did that or if it was the fact that with a uh, 7mm film, uh, after a while, it burns up if you have it on pause for so long because of the fact that yeah. it's so old. So I'm not sure if it's like a combination of the both, both of it or if it's that. Because I know a little bit about uh, Super 8 film because I actually did an interview with one of the directors that is actually oh, a fan sweet. of Super 8. So you can actually learn a lot in that interview about Super 8 film with Seth. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, I thought that was really creepy. And you're also wondering what happened to these kids because as the story is played out, the kids are missing after all this stuff goes down, after the parents are actually dead. So you don't actually know what's actually going on. So you're wondering, okay, am I, this is my imagination to me, because this is actually what was going through my head. Is Ethan Hawke actually dead and just imagining this actually happening? Is, that, is there a twist at the end of this movie? My imagination just kept on going and running like wild with this film. Exactly. I was thinking... Maybe they're in this house and they're thinking that they're alive, which is the others, oh. <laughs> you know. But my mind just went all over the place, you know, because that's what supernatural movies does to me. It makes me think. It gives me something to actually try and solve. And you know, I actually have to say I appreciated the fact that they actually allowed me to use my imagination whenever I'm watching this film. I, I don't appreciate them allowing me. It's the opposite for me. I, I do not appreciate this. So you turn into Sherlock Holmes and I become like a coward. 
like Watson or something. Just like, uh-uh. Right. You're no. Watson. I don't, I don't appreciate this at all. I'm like, okay, I'm let's like, see let's what happens not. behind here. Let's just get some tea in the pub. Like, let's just do something else. <laughs> Anything but this. But right. what, what the parts that were good and creepy to me as well was the the camera, like the, the camera, whoever's shooting it is first person. So it's like the killer is yeah is documenting his murders. Like you said with the family, you can see like their throats being slit in Ethan Hawks, like a reflection in his glasses. Do you notice that part? Yeah, I noticed the reflection and not only that, but you can also tell that he even has a problem mm-hmm. with watching yeah. it watching it though too as we get deeper and deeper into it he has to look away because his own guilt of him watching this is grotesque is actually so grotesque that he actually has yeah, to look and I away like the editing or whatever it's called where they they didn't really you're not really looking at you're looking at his guilt but it, it's reflected in his glasses I don't know what that's called, but that's right. I really appreciate that filmmaking. <laughs> that's really cool. Me too. I like that as well, to be honest with you. I actually feel like that they told a lot without even having to say anything, which is 99% yeah. of acting. So, you know, they did a lot with that. And then also, too, with the drinking, as he got deeper into the investigation, which the more he worse. was drinking. Which after... <laughs> Right, which is Officer So-and-So actually was right about, was that. But I also like the fact that Officer So-and-So actually gives him a professor that he can actually go to. It's always a professor. <laughs> which is played by Francis. Right, who actually has uh, experience with this. <laughs> and uh, as a matter of fact, the professor's played by Francis D'Onofrio, who plays Kingpin off of Daredevil. Yeah. Vanessa, oh, I'll do anything. Yeah, you're good at Vanessa. that. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And um, uh, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, mm-hmm. right? And also to that Robert De Niro, not Robert Downey Jr. movie, uh, uh, yes. The Judge, and Kill the Irish as well, which is on Netflix. Yep. But I like how he goes through the legend mm-hmm. of this monster. And he tells them what it is. And, you know, I thought that was actually pretty cool that they actually incorporated kind of like an urban legend type of thing, kind of like a, what's the, yeah. uh, the Bobby Yaga, you know, which is like the eater of children, the yeah. eater of dreams and kind of thing. Before you finish, I also nerded out and did some um, investigating. <laughs> uh, it'll be really quick, I okay. promise. But yeah, when, like you said, when he was talking about the myth and the lore of this deity, right, that lures mm-hmm. children, it reminded me of Slender Man. Have you heard of that before? Yeah, I heard before? of Slender Man. As a matter of fact, I've watched the investigations that they had oh, on Netflix. Yeah. On that it, too. It, it's mostly um, a, a fan fiction internet meme. Um, I don't, when did it come out? Like, it came out sometime in the 2000s. Um, but it also 
um, spun real life murders or the children to commit murders, like 2015 in Wisconsin, to 12. You may have heard that story the two 12 yeah, year old girls that um, stabbed their classmate like yep. 16 times because they said that Slender Man um, convinced them to do it. Yeah. And then, um, um, just to let you know, that actually came out in 2012 oh, as okay. well. See, Slender there's Man a lot did. going on. Okay? That's why. Oh, and then, well, um, so uh, a 14 year old girl in Florida set her family's house on fire because she said Slender Man told her to do it, and then it <laughs> it pushed to 2015 on an Indian reservation where a couple of the um, kids on the reservation wanted to commit suicide because Slender Man told them to. I'm getting them far ahead in the story, right. but it'll make sense in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but what was I have a quick question for you. Do you actually remember the name, the actual name that the professor actually oh, used? Um, it was some weird name because it was like a deity during Christian Roman Roman Christian time. Yeah. Oh, what pagan? Yeah. I forgot the name of it. It sounded like Boog. Oh, Boog. Right. It's called something. Yeah, Bug Hool. Or think of it as Agul. So, you know, that's actually how I actually thought of it. Like, uh, I go, oh, you know, I'm talking oh, about okay. from Batman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I kind of was like, okay, that's how I'm actually going to try and pronounce it if I can actually say okay, the word. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it has a lot to do with paganism, especially when, you know, he actually goes to the professor too because he actually asked about the. Uh, symbols that's actually yeah, on the, the door. Video. Yeah. In the video. Right. So I liked how he said, well, this is not your typical cult group that's actually doing it. Or anything. So right there is a red flag saying that there's something supernatural yeah. going on. Yeah, and I like how he said, you know, like you said, it's not a typical, you know, uh, pentagram burning candles devil worshipping group this is something deeper right and matter of fact this bugle who he kills an entire kills entire families and takes one of their children in order to slowly consume their soul so Jonah actually starts suspecting the murders are part of the cultic Intation, uh, right, rather than the work of a single person stretching mm-hmm. across decades. So I like that. And then, of course, you know, we actually, his son is also another thing that I want to talk about, though, too, aside from him <laughs> popping out of the box like that, like a contortionist. But his son is even realizing what his father is doing, and the mother is wondering where is he getting his information from. Then the daughter is starting to do the same thing where she actually knows what her dad is actually working on without actually going into the room. Yeah, and it's creepy because she starts drawing um, pictures of the family that was hung on the tree on the wall. 
And I think the son had disturbing drawings at school, I believe. Right. And then, get this, I still remember, this part gave me chills. It was the, uh, whenever Ellison hears the film projector running, and then he finds the missing children seated in the oh, attic watching oh, man, these films. Creepy. That, uh-uh. I'm like, oh, uh-uh. hell no. Yeah, he kind of tore the end where they're like all in this row. And then they like tell him to be quiet, you know, like the international Right, they ended up doing from, from their uh, <laughs> Right. And then all of a sudden he pops out. I'm like, oh, geez. yeah. Right, he suddenly appears on the camera uh, before physically appearing before Ellison. And he falls off the ladder of the attic. Me too. I would have been dead. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I'm just going to pretend I'm dead. The deity is going to like just throw down the camera and everything else. I'm like, well, geez. (laughs) He's like, take this shit. I'm like, whoa, geez. (laughs) Pervert. Exactly. It's like, take this shit. (laughs) Watching my films. Private, my here. private <laughs> Right? But yeah. Jeez. I'm surprised right. I'm broken. But Ellison quickly takes the camera and acts like nothing. Yeah. And got, I like how he actually picks up the camera and just kind of cradles it and holds it against his that? chest and he's I'm running for his dear life. Saying, Let's get out of here. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not wanted here. <laughs> But I like how this actually connects. Because then he's starting to realize these murders don't just connect over to the 1960s. There's other people that lived in the house before this other family got murdered. And then when they moved into another this other house, that's when that other family gets murdered. So there's a series of events that actually took place. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. And then his daughter. Oh, that scene where his daughter sees the one yep. of the dead children. Like right by her bedside, yep. and he's there thinking, "Oh, she's just you know in the bed sleep." No, that girl's like petrified, just like shocked, frozen, because there's this dead child telling her to be quiet. <laughs> I'm like, uh, right? I'd be I'd like, be like honey, what? Are you okay, <laughs> honey? <laughs> oh, she's sleep. <laughs> she's fine. Close the door. <laughs> 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 the poor girl, though. I mean, you can tell that she's and, petrified. And then she draws the and everything. girl on the wall. And I'm like... Right? And she goes, Daddy, um, what's the, know, what was the girl's name that died? Like, like Victorian or something. <laughs> right. And she goes, Victoria told me that there's three dead bodies on the tree. That, that that she used to live here and these people hung themselves and the wife goes you see this is what the damage yeah. you're doing to our family and at that point that's when they had that little mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. where he goes what the hell do you want me to do with my life yeah. do you want me to be a college professor doing that doing that this is not that's not me that's not who I yeah, am this is my legacy like, but your children are suffering he's like they will be okay there's a such thing as therapy I need this. <laughs> this is my career. 
<laughs> right. Once I get this, we worry done, about their mental health. Darn. But for now, they're gonna have to suffer being scared and petrified and of these little kids. Take a look in the mirror and saying, "Huh, I have a pagan deity that is some torturing my children." But all I can think about is, I need this book deal. I need a hit. <laughs> right. But what really did him in, what really made him say, fuck it all, I'm leaving, was that, I'm going to let you go on ahead and go into that one scene. One was, that, was that the one where the girl was crawling? The one where burning up the... Is that when he found out what happened? Is that when he left? Okay. Hello? Okay. Okay. Yes, it's once again Anchor again. Is it Anchor or is it the deity that don't want us to talk about him? You know what? I was actually thinking that to myself. Well, we gonna finish this, damn it. Right. Anyway. (laughs) You take his projector and shove it. Yeah. Please don't hurt us or have any (laughs) people kill us. But Okay, the part that I'm talking about that I was mentioning earlier, the one where he says, fuck it, where he's like, fuck it all, was whenever he goes up in the attic, whenever he actually sees the kids watching the film. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And everything. So he quickly goes on ahead, takes the projector and everything, takes the film, and then he throws it away. Yeah, he burns it. And then he's like, let's get out of here. And I'm like, really? Well, now we're going to leave? <laughs> after that's actually how I felt about you. And now you want to leave. All it took was some dead children to tell you to be quiet while they're watching the movie. <laughs> and now you want to leave. I would have told him, you know what? You can stay. I'm taking my children and going. Exactly. I'm like, peace. I'm done. You can have your ghost. You can have your story. You can have everything. I don't care. But, but what he says is, his wife comes out while he's burning the, the Super 8 film, and she goes, "What's going on?" He goes, "We need to get out of here." He goes, what do you mean we need to get out of here? We need to get the fuck out of here. Pack your bags and everything. We're going. Mm. Now we want to leave. <laughs> oh, I like the sound mixing. I think the sound mixing was really good just the way that it just the sound of like this horrid sound and it was like this mixture of like a I don't want to say techno but it was I I can't describe it but the sound was very creepy because it was like oh you know when he's burning the right. film I can, I, that's what I liked about it, though, too. The <laughs> popping sound. Yes. And everything. It sounded like as if you're actually hurting the deity that way. Yeah, and I thought I heard screaming, too, when he was burning the film, but I wasn't sure if I was going no, out I think, <laughs> I think I heard a little bit of screeching, to be honest with you, when it came down to that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> But this is like those myths that you actually hear where 
uh, you burn a Metallica album, for example, mm-hmm. and you actually hear the devil uh, crying out through the fire or something like that. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, that's oh, not no. that's not what that is. That's Inner Sandman that you're burning. <laughs> yeah, and you deserted that. And right. I hope they burn in hell. but you know it took that one part just for them to leave and then they're leaving their stuff behind yeah and there's and of course he's speeding and then all of a sudden the cop winds up pulling him over and he's he asked him why uh the before you go, I need to know, was it anybody that was acting bad towards you or anything like that? I just want to make sure that you're not leaving because other people are wanting you to leave. Yeah, and so you won't be talking bad about us in your book. Right. That's all he cared about. He didn't care about their safety or anything no. like that. He was What he cared about was the writing in the book to make the townspeople look like they're assholes. Mm-hmm. But he goes, no, I'm just doing what you told me to do. I'm just taking your advice. And I'm hitting the road and not looking back. Yeah. And then he just lets them go because he's glad that that he's leaving. Yes. And then, and they, then at that point, he's right. They, they go back to their old house, right? I believe that's their old house. I don't think that's their. I don't think that's a new house that they moved into or anything like that. I think they're uh, actually getting stuff that they had from storage and plus a little bit from what they got from their house, mm-hmm. old house that they moved into. I think that's a part of it because that's a lot of stuff if you actually think about that they're actually unpacking. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The it, it's the... it's like whole house was bigger it was like a like a plantation house <laughs> that's what it looked like it was like a right it wasn't even like a one or two story it wasn't like a two story house it was just like a three bedroom four bedroom house something around that area mm-hmm. and it wasn't something that you can actually pack a lot of stuff in it looked like it was kind of small yeah so the stuff that that was that they were actually unpacking and stuff looked like something that would actually fit into a larger area, which his house is huge. Yes, yes. And you know what? I was very naive, John. So when they moved into the, went back to their old house, which is the big house, I was like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, he escaped. You know, everybody's unpacking. Ha ha, oh my God, dinner's ready. You know, I got relaxed. Right. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe get a You see, that's exactly what the film wanted you to do. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I felt a little relaxed as well. Because it did fool you a little bit. It's like, okay, normally we would actually see something jump out at you at this point or whatever. But no, that doesn't happen. We also see officers so-and-so calling them over and over and over again. He keeps ignoring him. And then Francis D'Onofrio's character comes in and um, into the picture. And, of course, he sends him a file based off of what he found. And so at that point, he does a FaceTime chat on the computer. And he said, I, he said look, I just want to let you know 
that these murders are actually taking place from this point here where this one set of family has moved in into this house and then this other family came in after that family and that family got murdered and then the family before that got murdered. So it's like a whole entire circle of people that died Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. He goes, and I also want you to be aware of this deity and everything too, because of the fact that it's not, it's going to come with you because you looked at the film because you saw its identity. Yeah, and it also speaks to how powerful images are um, in media. So that incorporates in it too, because then the detective or the cop tell him that too. No, he didn't. He didn't tell him that. Okay. He he basically just told him how it was connected. Mm -hmm. He just didn't go into the whole entire deity thing or the. Because remember, he even asked him when he was sitting down, do you believe in the supernatural stuff or are you just a fan of my writing? And you can tell when someone's actually being genuine and someone that's actually complete BS. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I believe it. I'm like, no, you don't. You're just saying that just to calm him down. You don't believe in this stuff. Mm-hmm. You just like his writing and being entertained by his writing. That's how I took it. I don't know how you took that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't think the detect deputy believed in the supernatural, uh, but he did say it's definitely something weird going on in this house, or I wouldn't live here. Right. If somebody You're got right, murdered, <laughs> exactly. That's common sense, but okay. Right. And also too. When Francis D'Onofrio's character comes into play, like I said, he tells him right off the bat, he said, once you see his image, he that uh, deity is with you. Next thing you know, he said, well, what if you burned those images mm-hmm. and then you leave? Because I'm sorry, I'm not following you. <laughs> yeah, he said, is this I'm like not- literal? Yeah, it says it hypothetical or why are you asking me this? He's like, oh yeah, you know, just just asking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking right. for a friend. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you mean a friend from like the 16th century? Yeah. <laughs> right. And so he goes, well, anyways, thank you for your help. Good night. Good night. And then, uh, and then my favorite thing is. The camera pan angles. You see Ethan Hawke's face, and then a pan angles to the right, and there's the box of Super Eight. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. And then he found. That's when he gets the call from the, the deputy that told him about the string of murders and how they're connected. Right. And at that point, the coffee that he was drinking was actually drugged by his daughter. Yeah, but before that, that's when he he looked back at the the film reel, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it said extended cut, and he was actually having to put the pieces together because it was an extended cut of the film and everything. Yeah, which I'm like, how did you know how to do that? (laughs) (laughs) But don't forget, in the, he was actually learning about Super 8 film, though, in the 
in the movie though too. Oh, okay. Remember, okay. he looked up directions. Okay, got it. Because remember, he was actually trying to convert the Super Eight film into digital. Mm. Remember, YouTube. and so he can plaster it up on the board. YouTube, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he watched Seth's video on Super Eight film. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Yep. But you know. Once he started watching, that's when the images started to change. Like, there was even because we all know extended cuts add stuff into the film that you haven't seen before. So, this time you actually got to see all the people, all the children in this video of every single murder that took place, them looking at the lens of the camera and everything. And then finally, it gets over to him. And the daughter is over there. He goes, I'm sorry, Daddy. I drugged your coffee. Mm-hmm. Little bastard. And not only does she drug Right. And all, <laughs> after all I did for her. <laughs> after I put a roof over her head. Now she want to drug my coffee. And not only that, but I also made her get scared half the night at that new house. Yeah, I told her she can draw on the walls in the bedroom only, and she want to kill me. <laughs> but then it, then also too, you know what else I wasn't sure about? Okay, why the why the daughter though? Why not the kid? Why not the boy? I was because... thinking that it was gonna be the son. And that threw me off. Right. I guess he wanted you to be thrown off. Like, you wouldn't suspect it would be this sweet little girl. <laughs> Who wasn't really doing much of anything no. other than being petrified. And she reminds me of um, the the dead girl. Right. With the uh, umbrella, not the umbrella, but the slicker, the yellow slicker. Yeah, because when when he started, when he saw the extended cut, you you know you see the same scene, the family's hanging by the tree, and you're like, okay, what's new? And then all of a sudden, you see something crawling from behind the the tree, and then she's skipping, like got a lollipop or something, and that's Victoria or whatever her name is, and she's like at the camera, you know, like shoot. You know, I killed my parents. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> right, <laughs> and then the next kid does the yeah. same thing. Does the little librarian thing and does the sh- thing. <laughs> Which now people see librarians do that. They're like, oh, they killed somebody. <laughs> right, <laughs> they'll be knowing that we're up to no good. Your fees are late. I may kill you. <laughs> Now you need to dress up like an evil librarian Ooh, for I Halloween. Do that. Put some blood splatter on me and right? say, Shh, "This is what happens when you're late for your books." <laughs> <laughs> or dress up like the librarian from Ghostbusters. Oh, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> they have a book full of razor blades. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> Librarians are nice people. <laughs> Just don't be late no. on your books, and they're not yeah. making any noise. But what do you think about that? Those scenes, though, where the kids are uh, telling him to be quiet, and they're showing scene by scene of each murder that actually happened, and how 
these kid, all these kids that were missing were the ones who did it. I was trying to figure out what my initial reaction was in the theater because I was like, "What the fuck?" Um, I had that moment, and I was like, "These little, little white children killing their parents." <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend at the time was white, so he just laughed at me. I said, "Those right. little white children." Creepy little white children <laughs> killing people. That's why I stay right? away from. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's actually they, I, I actually did say that. That's children, white people like children of the corn. <laughs> I don't know. It's some very right. nice white children, but they just make <laughs> in these movies they just that <laughs> creepy little white right. children killing people. To be honest with you, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, yeah, white people. Yeah, and that goes into my Slender Man thing. I was tell- talking about right. how the, the the kids were killing, killing like their their families and all these other people um, because right. of Slender Man, the phenomenon. Uh, that was that was slender, not slender. Uh, sinister. <laughs> I was starting right. to come out the thing. That's what sinister reminded me of. Slender, but man. then, <laughs> right? It definitely does have that vibe of Slender Man. Also, too, I liked it when after she gets done killing the father and everything, and then also of course the mother. All of a sudden, the sinister comes out from behind her, and then all of a sudden you see her now. In the oh, film, and he carries yeah, it off. And, yeah, yeah, it, that was creepy because he fell down because you know he got poisoned. And then you see her with the axe, and she's like, Don't worry, daddy, I'll make you famous. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you can't, you gotta be careful what you ask for. <laughs> he's like, I make you famous right. again, and it's not the kind of fame that no, you want to go for, you know, kill a right. parent. And then it it pans back to the film and the the dead children, (laughs) they're in the film looking and then they look to the side at her and I think she was writing something. I don't know if she was writing a suicide note or something, but she was writing something at her dad's desk and like you said. Oh, I know what it was. It was the, remember all the doodles that he, that drawings that the kids Mm -hmm. had? Yeah, at the very beginning, where you show the the yeah. uh, the family, and they show the murder oh. scene and all that stuff. Oh, That's what she was okay. doing. Mm. Yeah, so like you said, uh, sinister. The deity comes, takes her away, put her in the film, and they live happy ever after. But the parents don't because they're dead, <laughs> and the the uh, brother is too. Which I don't know why he didn't take the brother. Too, he could have had two. That's what I was wondering. Right, that's something I need to actually Maybe look up and look into. Why like didn't siblings. he take the kid? It's like no, yeah. Or, or maybe because of the fact that he had so many demons oh, in him already. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it makes me want to go and research it a little bit as far as the behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> And find out yeah, why. Yeah, because I saw um, a little of Sinister 2, which I wasn't too impressed with. Because, like, with, I feel like with Sinister 2, 
it just kind of gives you everything up front. Like, I know what happened in Sinister 1. Okay, that's fine. But Sinister 2 is like, boom, boom, all the action up front. We're going to speed this thing up. And I, I didn't feel no suspense. You know. It was like, let's hurry up, yeah, get this thing over with. Yeah, you know what this film is about. And they started off in a good direction because they still had the deputy. So it's good that you have character, surviving characters from the first movie incorporated in the second movie. Which is a good start. Now my question is this. It goes off the rails because there's like a single mom and her backstory is weird anyway. And then she has twin boys and once again it seems like one of the twins is trying to get influence. By the dead kids. And the dead kids are showing him. In Sinister 2. Their film. And they're like look come with me. And I felt like the dead children had too much dialogue. I'm like you're not the star of this show. Why are you talking? (laughs) I would have liked them not to talk that much. They're like come on. It's fun. Watch me kill my parents. And he's like, no, I don't want to see this. We shouldn't be watching this. And he's like, ooh, look what I did, too. Like, they they talk too much for me. Like, all these side characters got too much <laughs> dialogue. <laughs> but my question is this. Did they continue off with the kid from the first movie, the one that actually survived? No, or was this yeah, a whole different... new set of okay. which... Which that would have been interesting if they continued on. But this was a whole new set of kids. Like these were a whole new set of dead children too. It wasn't like the ones from the previous movie. Okay. Because that's what yeah, I was wondering everything about. Everything just you know? felt like it was shoved in your face. And it didn't give you time to digest for me. But if you happen to watch it, you see, that's on, a problem. I think it's on Netflix. If you happen to watch it, I'm curious to see what you would think. I'll mm-hmm. definitely let you know because normally with sequels, especially whenever it's not dealing with same set of characters or anything like that, they want to hurry up and get it done kind of thing. Like you, like you said, it doesn't give you a time enough to actually digest it. The dialogue might be all over the place. Certain scenes might be kind of choppy and things like that too, to the point where you're like, okay, I don't think that this movie is going to hold up as well as the first film. Because normally when they recast and everything else, the film loses its flavor. Yeah, yeah. and they even had the same scare, like when the deputy's in his hotel room um, spoiler alert, the deputy is in his hotel room and he looks away you know like Ethan Hawke's character looked away from his computer then he had a deity like moving around um, or coming from behind where he's not looking and all of a sudden he looks back to the computer screen and there's nothing there like I'm like can you give me something new you know can, can I see some new scares like it just kind of predictable right. and weird. Like I said, I just, the dead children talk too much. In the second movie, I'm like, why are you talking? They have a full <laughs> talk scene where both of them are talking to him. 
I can see for dead people you talk just, too much. Just talking all over the place. Like, come on, let's do this. Yeah, watch this film of me killing my parents. Watch it, watch it. And the one of the this the twin, he's like, no, I don't want to see this, and he seems like he's resisting. But I didn't finish the movie because I was like, I this doesn't hold up to the first one for me. Right. And I also want to point out with part one, the budget was $3 million to make. It only made $87.7 million, Which is good for a budget of yeah. $3 million. And during that, those times, horror movies were not taken seriously like they are now. To where you can get where basically the studios will say, okay, here's 3 or $6 million. Go make your movie and good luck. Because they know that people are sucking for horror movies, so they know that, you know, they can make these movies for little as nothing, and it'll make a little bit of money, and that's it. So, do you think the Scream franchise and, like, I know what you did last summer kind of messed up the horror film genre? So, it's not taken seriously? Not really, because... I don't think so, because there's a lot of people that still love mm-hmm. Scream. And everything. If you actually look at, at everything, people still love Scream. People still talk about Scream nonstop. And as someone that loves horror movies and everything, and talk about the rules, the guidelines within a horror film, Scream is actually one of my favorite movies and everything when you look at that because we're all film mm-hmm. fans of horror. And we all, all want to actually go through the rules and guidelines to each horror film. So I wouldn't say that Scream is the main thing that actually was the one that caused that to actually happen. I know what you did last summer. The very first one was good. The second one, not so much. I still remember Jack Black being in that movie. (laughs) I still remember... um, Matter of fact, I actually still remember... What's his name from the Big Th- Big Bang Theory was in it as well. Isn't that um, Leonard? Was he was in Michelle it. Geller met her husband, Freddie Prince. I believe Jr. so. Yep. Yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. was in it. it, and her big boobs were in it. Yep. <laughs> a matter of fact, John, he's like, "Yep, gonna glaze right Tyrese over was in that. <laughs> Tyrese was in it. The first one, though, too. Was in the second oh, the one. Second one. Second one. See, I can't even recall the second one. It is one of those films that you don't want to remember. That's like when they tried to remake Halloween. But, you know how they had Halloween H two O, and you're like, "What is this crap?" Well, <laughs> to be honest with you, that's not even a remake. That's just a continuation of the Jamie Lee mm, Curtis character okay, after twenty yeah. years of her struggling. Yeah, so that's not really a reboot. Rob Zombies was more of a reboot and a remake than okay. H2O. And everything, which is a retelling of the very first Halloween movie, which we're going to yes, review right we are. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I actually enjoyed the Rob Zombie I mean, Halloween a lot. But I'm not going to go into Steal My Own Thunder on that. But I do want to go on ahead and talk about the difference is between I know what you did last summer, the movie, and the book. It was a book. Oh, 
Yep. I actually read that in seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can't saw the movie. Okay. There's no guy what? with a hook. There's yeah, no guy with a hook. <laughs> you know what? The, the killer has a gun. Mm, that's not original, but okay. <laughs> no. So, they cut that out and put a hook okay. instead. And there's other elements in the book. I forgot what it is, what else there is that is different from the movie, but I know one of the key elements of the fact is the killer does not have a hook. He has a gun instead. And, of course, they actually do run over somebody. They're actually drunk and everything, and they do cover up the body. So they got those elements right in the film. They just decided to use a hook for suspense and horror elements for that, which actually worked in the oh. 90s. But, but the second film is just one of those films that's just terrible. Like I said, you had Jack Black <laughs> that was in it, which yeah, I have nothing sounds against like that. you do. But, I, no, I don't. I love Jack Black. And, as a matter of fact, he's actually, the character that he plays is a stoner uh-huh. who's selling weed uh-huh. to people in the Bahamas. Oh, yeah. I remember now. And then you have the guy who plays Leonard who's playing the bellhop guy. Mm, okay, okay, yeah. And everything. So, you know, that was actually pretty funny to see uh, the guy from the Big Bang Theory playing in that film. Mm, okay. But I read the second book, and the second book is just a screenplay of I know, I still know what you did last summer. That's all it is. Oh, <laughs> it's just a screenplay. Man. Yeah. So my question with so, because I'm okay with that, that you know, <clears throat> movies like that where there's no ghosts or anything. <laughs> Just a man in a cape. Um, right. So, yeah, it's just a flasher. Now I'm trying to recall it. Did they ever try to shoot the person? Because there's just somebody coming after you with a knife. They shoot the person. They do a bunch of other stuff in the film. It's been years yeah, since I've seen I, was like, I know what you did last time. by shooting him in the head. I think that they do something to him on that effect. I don't actually remember. But I will tell you this. You know this yeah. movie is shot in the 90s when they use the excuse of our cars broke yeah, down. You see Can we use your phone? Strap shirts. <laughs> and, and like hair clips. That's true. You do. <laughs> Boobs gal- galore. That's what going that far. <laughs> I'm just talking about the fashion. <laughs> you just think about Jennifer Love Hewitt's boobs. It's okay. <laughs> they were nice back then. Fat oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I hope she's not listening. She's like, I'm still nice. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, There's something I wanted to talk about, though, too. You were talking about when my girlfriend was trying to call. Now I'm trying to call girlfriend. <laughs> okay. So, you know when deputy yeah, so-and-so yeah. is calling? Trying to warn him. Right. <laughs> That's when Brandy calls me. And I'm looking at the phone. <laughs> I'm looking at the TV. 
I'm looking at the phone, still looking at the TV. It goes on for about, I think, she, I think finally, it's, you know, I finally pick up after the fifth <laughs> ring. I'm like, hello? She goes, what took you so long? I said, I'm sorry. I was busy getting yeah, creeped out by this movie. Yeah, it took him a long time, too, to answer the phone. I, you... I wonder if you both picked it up at the same time. Right. <laughs> We did. We, we both picked Ooh. it up at the same time. <laughs> You're still right. here. He's not. But this is me, though. But to make it, this is me, though. I'm like, oh, hello? <laughs> and she goes, what's wrong? I said, I'm sorry. I'm being scared the shit. I'm being scared. Oh, the shit scared out of me right now. Mama movie, <laughs> um, and I was with my boyfriend after um, he was like, what's wrong? I was like, did you close the closet door? He's like, what is wrong with you? I was like, I don't want her to get out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to be honest with you, that's no, what's not, great about no. horror movies, though. It's because you want, no. you want to go no, to a I movie don't. to where you can get no, scared. You want that sleep, And I lost three days of sleep. <sighs> <laughs> but if you were to give uh, Sinister One. a rating, what would uh, you actually rate it? Oh, out of five? Out of five. Like, uh, four? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go a little bit higher and go with a oh, 4.7 out of okay. five. I didn't know that. Sorry. Let me let me change a point. Right. Yeah, kind of yeah, like a GTA. Got it. <laughs> right. Okay, cool. Well, I'm giving it like a 4.8 then. Boom. Beat your 4.7. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know we can do points. But yeah, I. Yeah, we can do it that way because if you're kind of iffy with the way certain performances were, what didn't stand out for you and everything, and if they don't mm-hmm. outweigh anything. You can actually okay, put well, that point I'm in. That's what I do. Sinister two, but I have three. Yeah. <laughs> out of five. Okay. I'm going to give it a zero out of five because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so. But is there any other questions that you wanted to ask me as far as horror films go? No, because the only questions I have are the ones that I'm still trying to answer. Like, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> I really want to see Supernatural Heart. I don't want to be afraid of it because it it has the murder mysteries that I like, John. But I just can't do it. <laughs> I lose sleep. Just like with Freddy. Like, Freddy Cougar ruined my childhood. And I don't... This show, Anchor is already glitching, so we don't have time to go into what happened with Freddy Cougar and me. Which... You know, I, I had a friend from my. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you, and I even talked about movies that traumatized oh, us as kids with that. Michael. And, and I'm gonna tell you this. <laughs> no. Okay, and Toys R Us <laughs> of all places. Uh-huh. Okay, out of all places, they had an animatronic Freddy <laughs> Cougar doll. 
I shit you not, they actually had one. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I go ahead and press the button. Mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger's eyes light up. He's turning and twisting and he's talking and I mm-hmm. ran the hell away from it. Then that same night, I had a dream that I was down in the boiler room with Freddy. And his face, you can actually feel, I could actually feel the heat coming off of the boiler. And the flames Mm. off the boiler, just like they did in the movies. And all of this, it felt like it was 3D because of his face and everything. Next thing you know, he goes, you're next. And he goes and grabs me, and I woke up screaming Mm. on top of my lungs. Yeah. My mom said no yeah. more horror movies. <laughs> How does this make you at feel that point? But now, what do I do? Mm, mm. I laugh at it. <laughs> I feel like one of those doctors on now the because show. I'm like, this How is... does this make you feel as an adult now? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me go in a and sit couch. on my couch yeah, right now, couch, and I'll Joe. talk yeah, about all my problems. <laughs> <laughs> But to be honest with you, Tamika, this actually it makes me laugh now at this Not is what me. I was I'm actually scared of. <laughs> I feel like oh. <laughs> okay. In Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, where the girl is running through the house and the basement area, you can actually see when Freddy's actually coming because you can actually see his shadow from behind. You're not supposed I, to I see it, but I saw it. <laughs> To watch a Freddy movie, like I'm gonna conquer my fears, and I think the one I can kind of tolerate is um, is it called Dream Dream Walkers Dream Warriors? That's the one I can oh, Dream Warriors. That's actually my favorite. Cheesiness in it. It's cheesiness, but yeah, it also so shows I, that you can have I, control over your dreams. I, I kind of conquered a little fear. But not not much, John. That's, that's all I can do. No, that's all I can do. <laughs> not I much. Said, I had a friend from my childhood that ruined me because he he would have me come over with him and his sister, and he's like, "Let's watch horror movies." I'm like, "Oh no, I'm just a baby." You know, I'm just like six or seven, and we're watching all these horror <laughs> well, movies that's from like... Freddy to It. I remember we saw It, and I couldn't look at clowns. Oh, I traumatized my mama's friend's kid with that movie. (laughs) My mama's friend's kid came over. Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's watch it. That's what my friend did to me. He's like, let's watch this called Freddy Cougar. I was like, oh, okay. I did not sleep for a week, John. I was like, oh, I got something in my dreams. I just can't fall asleep. I mean, eventually I fell asleep, but I was like, oh, am I dead? We need to do a review on Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. You can be, and then I can lay on the couch, and then you can tell me, Mm -hmm. how did this make you feel as an adult? I'm very fearful for my life, John. That's how it makes me feel. Right. See, I can't. But I I actually met Robert England, though, of course, but, you know, you already knew that. My childhood, which he would get off on, and then he'd probably do that creepy Freddy voice, and I'm like, don't you do this Mm -hmm. to me, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) And then... And then underneath, he'll actually put on an autograph and goes, 
Sleep sucks. Never mind. I can't do it, John. I can't. I, I can't do it. I can't face <laughs> my fears. I'm just trapped. But. <laughs> I beat the snot out of it. A penny wise as a kid. Mm. In my dream. Yep. And that, and after that, I was like not I'm scared of the clown anymore. Clowns per se. I'm just creeped out by them. Oh, I actually had a phobia of the clown and everything to the point where I actually dreamed that I actually beat his ass with a baseball bat. Then I got some chains and chained them up and beat the hell out of him with that. Then I got the chainsaw and cut him up into pieces. Then after that, I did something so else to him. It was like... <laughs> As an adult. What do you What do you mean? <laughs> I like horror movies. I like horror movies. <laughs> I like getting scared. I like the yes, roller coaster and like thrill this? of being scared. That's why I go and see horror movies. I it's like just how that you jolt of like I'm your feeling something. Just keep going. You could tell me. He's <laughs> 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 just going on. He's like, oh, okay. I like the. <laughs> Did you pay me to be a therapist? <laughs> <laughs> He's just answering the question. I can see your psycho therapy. <laughs> Here's some Xanax and yeah, call me in like, the morning. And we'll bill you. <laughs> I'm interviewing you. <laughs> no, no. You're just going off with it. You're like, oh, I like hard <laughs> because. Oh. <laughs> oh man, this is always been great. This is always great. But what else? Um, no, is there John, anything else just, that you want to touch base on? I just don't understand why I even tried to do supernatural horror. And it's weird because it's like the gore that's not supernatural, where it's something like the Jason movies or. Like, I know what you did last summer. I, I don't get scared easily. I'm disturbed by it. Oh, okay, go ahead. Well, I think I know why. Okay, think of it like this. With Supernatural, yeah. the things that we don't see is what scares us the most. With something like a slasher film, which is your Jason, which is... Uh, different types of slasher films. Mm -hmm. We can actually see that person, right? So, because we can see that person, we can actually take that person down and be able to probably call the cops or do something about that. Opposed to something that's actually invisible, something that's actually beyond our control that we can't see, that's what scares us the most because we have no control over something that's actually supernatural. Oh. I'll PayPal you my therapy deal. Well, for what? All right, I'll give the rest over to Frenchie. Because I kind of went to like three hours show reading into my phobia. <laughs> right? Yeah, he always. And he'll psychoanalyze me, though, too. <laughs> with his Canadian charm. But, anywho. <laughs> 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 All I can think of now is Lucky Charms cereal. 
<laughs> All I can see is the Canadian flag. You get the Canadian flag in the cereal. You get... <laughs> All right. But anyways, I just want to say thank you for doing this review with me. And not only that, but I do want us to try and do 13th Ghost. um, 31 days or whatever you're doing of Halloween horror. Well, well, I decided not to call it 31 Days of Horror. I'm just going to call it Days of Horror. It's copywritten, yeah. Now, because of the fact that I kind of, well, I kind of skipped out on the oh, days okay. and everything, so it's just going to call be called Days of Horror, okay. which makes it a whole lot easier to where I can actually uh, do a mixed okay. bag of so stuff. Is it, are you going to do, like, I guess what, what classifies in this? Is it, like, Supernatural Slasher? Is it just, like, a thriller? Just regular thriller movies? Well, there's different... Okay, horror uh-huh. movies can be... When people think of horror movies, they think of something like a monster. They think of stuff like that. But no, there's actually different levels of horror. There's your suspense. There's horror thrillers. There's your mystery uh, thrillers. There's different types of... Ju- different ways that you can go about it. For example... You can actually say Don't Breathe is actually a horror person. movie. It's horror suspense. You can say... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but you can also say that the Final Destination movies well, are actually horror. Cut off, right? Which is also uh, horror thriller. Gone Baby? Gone? Is that the one? With the athlete? Gone? To be honest with you... To be honest with you, Gone Baby Gone is more of the level uh, so of would you say like mystery, spectrum? crime mystery. Oh, it's not versus even spectrum, suspense. It's outside of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking of more just of crime okay. and suspense, crime mystery, because think of it: you're not dealing with a slasher, you're not dealing with anything like that. You're basically trying to solve this murder that's mm-hmm. that ha- may or may not have happened. So basically, it's a okay. crime mystery, something with Mister River, and things like that. But what classifies as a horror movie is the slashers. You okay. also have your horror okay. thrillers, stuff like that. And of course, it's also based off of a person that's viewing the film though too because it's so subjective that Mm -hmm, anybody can actually classify something as something else as well so you know because I we have this discussion in the horror groups too what actually classifies as a horror movie I'm like I leave it up to interpretation of the person Mm -hmm. that's actually viewing the film unless Mm -hmm. you're in a video store that actually puts the title of that film to that genre which sometimes I agree with sometimes I don't agree with because I used to work at a video store but that's how I can actually categorize certain horror movies as that because I've seen it labeled as that in the video store but I I always leave it up to interpretation to the viewer that's actually watching the movie to be able to judge it for themselves rather than me tell them if it's a horror movie or not Interesting. 
if that makes sense. <laughs> so, all right. So that's actually going to do it for the show. And I just want to say, guys, if you guys want to go on ahead, we actually have a place that you can actually donate towards the show. You guys don't have to, but I understand with this coronavirus mess and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to actually do that. But we actually have a place called www.buymeacoffee.com slash movie lovers. You guys can donate a couple of cups of coffee there and everything. And you can, uh, it's, actually, it's actually just a place that you can actually just help us keep the lights on at Movie Lovers Unite. I want to do, start doing giveaways for digital movies and among other things, though, too. I want to actually give back to my fan community, to my listeners. And, of course, I'm actually doing some behind-the-scenes stuff with trying to get a Patreon together so you guys can actually get little episodes before everybody else does. And I'm going to figure out what episodes I actually want on the Patreon to actually send you guys and everything. What's going to happen with that. So stay tuned for that. But we also have a Pinterest now called Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. We also have a webpage called www.movieloversunite. And we also have a Facebook page, of course. That's our main one, which is www.movieloverstvloversunite. And we also have a Instagram at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite and also a Twitter page Movie Lovers Unit and of course you guys can reach me at John D. Gordio 8 on Twitter you can also follow me there you can also follow me on Instagram at John D. Gregorio 85 underscore 85 and then of course you can follow me on all the other social medias and of course you can find this podcast on all platforms as for, uh, for your podcasting all except Pandora, of course, and of course, and also iHeartRadio. But you can find me on Amazon Music now, which is something that I'm actually excited about. And of course, where can everybody meet you? Uh, follow you. Um, on, I'm just Mika. along for the ride, really. Well, I'm sure a lot of people, if they okay. go to Twitter, I okay. think it's Mika Meek. Like I actually have like one half of Movie Lovers Unit. So I'm just part of the team helping you out with the dream. Ooh, I rap. I'm a rapper. Right. <laughs> yep. And not only that, but she also does a fantastic job at writing movie reviews and stuff like that on the website. So you can follow her articles on there, though, too. And everything. She just does such a great job at writing uh, reviews and also coming up with Oh. Uh, some other amazing Thanks, things too for the web page. So I just want to say thank you for that. Not a problem. And of course, everyone, always until next time, have a good night. Stay safe. Disinfect your hands. Don't touch your yeah. face. Wear your mask. And stay safe, Later. everybody. Bye. All right.